When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're pleased to announce that this season, the Spurs show is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Spurs fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter whether you're based in Tottenham or Tyneside, you can catch every single minute of the action. Keep an eye out during the season for events, offers, content and competitions that put you closer to the action. And if you can't get yourself down to the match against Brentford this Sunday, why not catch it on Sky Sports in the next best place, a Green King pub. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Spurs fans around the world. It's Theo Delaney here in North London saying welcome to the Spurs show for the 17th consecutive season that we've been going. Uh, And we've got a lot to talk about tonight, that is for sure. And those things will include news this afternoon that the latest bid for Harry Kane from Bayern Munich has been rejected by Spurs. Uh, We'll look back on Sunday's resounding victory over Shakhtar Donetsk. We'll look at the possible comings and goings in the closing weeks of the transfer window. We'll speculate about the makeup of the team for next Sunday's Premier League curtain raiser at Brentford. We'll also possibly speculate a bit about the Barcelona game, which is uh, happening on Tuesday. And we'll try and assess the likely impact of our new manager, Ange Postikoglu, on the 2023-24 season. And I have got an incredibly heavyweight, uh, wise pair of experts with me to tackle this agenda. And it's just as well, because it's quite an agenda. Uh, first of all, a man who's worn the lily white shirt himself and who is now a renowned football broadcaster and expert around Europe. Welcome back to the show, Terry Gibson. Good evening, Theo. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great to see you. And I uh, should say that uh, behind you, we, we can see each other. Obviously, this is an audio podcast. We can see each other here on the Zoom call. Behind Terry is a framed 
Tottenham shirt, circa 1979, the lovely Admiral one. And it's the shirt he made his debut in. Is that right, Terry? It is, yeah. Really soon. It's uh, always in storage and I've kept it for 43, 44 years now. Bloody And God. it was, uh, I, the only reason I kept it, the old cut long story short, was it got ripped. People I've met. Otherwise. I've, I've met. I've met all 29,000 people who were at that game over the last 40-odd <laughs> years. And it was re- it was memorable because I did get a ripped shirt from centre-back Mike Doyle, Stoke City, who oh. trampled all over me on the floor and then tried to beat me up in the car park afterwards. And I was thankfully <laughs> saved by John Pratt. Um, so we've, we've laughed about that over the years. And the shirt was ripped from the neck to the waist. And wow. the club did try to repair it, the kit man Johnny Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> tried to repair it, and then two weeks later, he, uh, after begging with him to let me have it, two weeks later he threw it at me, and then and, and that was it. So I kept it. And wow! Otherwise, that would have been it's it's a number nine. It probably was worn by it's probably worn for about three years by all sorts of shapes and sizes that were the number nine. Uh, so Jerry Armstrong, Chris Jones, Colin Lee, all those, and, and wow, of course, a foot smaller than and four or five stone lighter than them. It was the same shirt, so. Amazing. It was, uh, yeah, one size fits all back in well, the day. Well, it's a beautiful thing. It really is a lovely yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it immediately takes you back to a certain uh, era, that's for sure. Uh, and also joining us tonight, making his debut, the man who has quite literally written the book on Ange Postacoglu. The book's called Revolution, The Man, The Methods and The Mastery. Postacoglu, I should say, Revolution, The Man, The Methods and The Mastery. And it will be out in a few weeks' time. Welcome, writer John Greechen. How are you, John? I'm grand. Thanks very much for having me on. It's uh, it feels like a long time ago that I wrote the book. Even oh, really? I had to do a couple of rewrites because when yeah. I started it, he was Celtic manager. Absolutely. And then I'd I'd literally finished everything, and then it was like, oh, Spurs are interested. And in oh, fairness, wow. as soon as I heard that, I knew he was going. All right. my who are Celtic fans were like, oh no, he'll stay at Celtic, and I was like, no way. No way. If you understand the importance of English football to his growing up, his childhood in Australia, there right. was no way he was going to turn down Spurs. Right. Well, this oh, is I the... I was on it right away. Rewrite. Fantastic. This is the insight we're looking for. This is the insight we're going to get. I it's so great to have you on with your very, very special expertise in in probably the most intriguing aspect of this forthcoming season, the Ange Postacoglu. Once we've, once we've resolved the Kane saga one way or another, we should probably start with the Harry Kane thing because it's fresh off the press. So as we know, on Friday, the press was full of um, talk of Bayern Munich issuing a deadline to uh, Daniel Levy to, to, to basically accept the offer by midnight or forget it. And Daniel Levy promptly went on a holiday, which, you know, Daniel Levy doesn't often do things that endears him to the Tottenham fans, but I think everyone thought that was a great <laughs> thing to do. He just completely ignored it and went on holiday. And then over the weekend, you think, well, is that the end from them then or what? But today we hear that whether it's the same bid that came in on Friday or whether it's a fresh one, I suspect it's probably the same one that came in on Friday. Spurs have simply rejected it. And, and I think possibly uh, Daniel Levy has made a calculation on what it could potentially cost us to be without Harry Kane for a season, i.e. it could cost us Champions League qualification. It's about 100 million quid's worth. And he's decided to uh, price him accordingly and Bayern don't want to pay that money. Is that how you see it, Terry? Yeah, and, and it's interesting how we all see it, to be honest. And I've heard so many different angles and my mind has changed on it. You know, take the money because Harry Kane might leave the club for free. Then all of a sudden I think, well, it's not my money. I don't care. Mm. <laughs> Suddenly if we sell Harry Kane for 80 million, 
ticket prices are not going to be reduced. It'll be spent on other players. So it's not coming out of my pocket. So personally, I would rather keep Harry Kane and then hope that under Ange Postacoglu we have a better season. We win a trophy. And during that period, it, you know, it's, it's calling the Harry Kane's bluff as well because it's all well and good saying in an ideal world that his contract ends and he walks away on a free. But God forbid, say, something happened to him, say, he picked up an injury, he will then be approaching 31. Then the whole scenario changes. During that last season in his contract, he could be earning more money from Spurs. Mm. So I don't think it's cut and dried that if he doesn't leave now, he'll play through the season and then leave on a free transfer. In an ideal world for Harry Kane, that would be the, the, the example. But it doesn't always happen like that. And players do take a risk running down their contract in case of you know, picking up a serious injury. So, you know, I, personally, I hope we keep him for the next season. As I said, my example would be Spurs win a trophy. He's enjoying life at Spurs again under Postacoglu and, and he stays at the club. You know, I'm not particularly fussed if we get the 80 million or not. I, I want Harry to stay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the dream scenario, isn't it? John, from your point of view, I mean, I know you're you're not just the man who's written the book on Ange Postacoglu. You're, you're also a seasoned sports writer, both sides of the border. How do you see this playing out? Do you think that? Do you think now the the needle? Because the needle's been up. There. I mean, I, I, there have been times during this summer. It reminds me so much of the Bale one, and going you can go right back to Teddy Sheringham and Jurgen Klinsmann and all sorts. The the needle sort of goes from left to right. Sometimes I've been ninety percent sure he's going. I now feel almost like fifty five percent inclined to say he's staying. What do you think, John? I think it's an interesting point that, that Terry made about his age as much as anything. So I, I don't necessarily think this is about the money for Harry Kane in terms of his earning power, although it will be massively improved wherever he goes, particularly if he goes as a free agent. Mm. I, I think it's about wanting to win things and, and challenge at the top. So that's your answer. If if Ange convinces him, look, we are ready. We're going to do this quickly. We, may, we will certainly get Champions League next year. And then the next year after that, we'll be going further than that. That's the key to it, I think. And But the one thing I do know from lots of speaking to people about Ange, he won't want any hostages in the all, you know, in the dressing room. He wants volunteers. Doesn't want anyone that doesn't want to be there. Yeah. But he's just, yeah, he understands football. He understands the cynical nature of it. If he can get a year out of Harry and Harry gets yeah. a year out of him and it suits everyone, I think they would work on it. But yeah, you're right about the age there, Terry. It's not, you know, you could go away at 31, 30, 31, and then... Uh, pocket your money but you just got to Saudi then don't you if you're going anywhere you're frozen up oh there you go you're you're freezing up you're freezing a bit John during during the course of your talking there um but I think we got we certainly got the gist of that yeah I think with Harry as well we at the age of 33 34 I would still be expecting him to score goals if everything goes smoothly but if you do start picking up injuries then people do look at your value when you get over 30 but I, I still would imagine Harry Kane. I mean, Lewandowski's just gone to Barcelona. He's 34 now. He's fantastic season. He's worth what they paid for him. They're never going to get a, a money back on him. But that's not why they bought him. They bought him to score goals in, the, in the, this present moment in time. And, and someone, I'm sure, will take Harry Kane. If he carries on scoring another... He got 30 goals last season in, in the Premier League. If he gets another 30 and he's out of contract, everyone in the world will be trying to take him on a free transfer. But it doesn't always go according to plan. And why he's playing for Spurs this year, you know, he, he could be earning another, I say, another 100,000, a week. So he's he's giving that up till the end of the season in the hope that everything goes well and then he can move on to, to pastures new. So 
I'm hoping he stays and I don't care about the money and want him to have a successful season and, and Spurs to win a trophy. Yeah, I mean, like you say, uh, you know, most, a lot of these great players anyway, the, the ones that really are super professional, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, you look at Ibrahimovic, and you, as you mentioned, Lewandowski. And Kane's actually always made a point of saying, I, I want to play and I am expecting to play till I'm 40 years of age. Ibrahimovic did it and he is a model pro. And in fact, he used to be more injury prone than he has been recently, didn't he? He always used to get... One big injury a season. It was almost guaranteed. And whenever it happened, they'd be like, oh, no, that's it. Tottenham are done for. They've lost Kane for the next two months or six weeks or whatever it was. And they always actually, Son used to just fill in at centre ball. We always used to muddle through perfectly well. But the last two years, he hasn't got a big injury. I mean, I know it's tempting fate, but it's almost like he's so intent on being the brilliant pro. He does everything in terms of his diet and his conditioning and everything to get the most out of himself that he's managed to make himself less injury prone. He's also, of course, um, all of those things that he does uh, contribute to him being, you know, to, to longevity of, of his career. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he probably doesn't think he's anywhere near the end of his career. And but that means he's just got a million options. But if he does stay, like you say, he can make another decision at the end of next season. At the end of next season, if he's still fit, still banging him in, which no reason to believe he won't be either of those things, he's still going to be worth on the open market 60, 70 million quid probably, uh, potentially. And that's his own. That becomes his own money, doesn't it? He, he owns himself. He effectively sells himself at that point. So I think if you're Harry Kane right now, you're thinking, I can't lose here. If I go to Bayern, great. I fancy doing something different. I like the look of it there. I've been speaking to them for weeks. I like them. I like that. But if they can't agree with Daniel, I, I don't mind that either because I'll I'll hang around here. I can start having conversations in January with foreign clubs. I can even start having conversations with other English clubs next next June. You know, so I can't, he can't really. He's holding all the cards unless unless he gets injured, like gets a big injury, like you said, Terry. But I mean, you know, that that's always an occupational hazard for any footballer at any time. So we'll just have to see. But as I say, it, it felt quite good today. It felt like maybe the needle has just gone into him more likely to stay. But, I mean, if you remember the Gareth Bale summer, the ups and downs that summer, I think actually looking back on that, he was always going to go. This one, maybe we'll, maybe maybe if he does go, we'll always think that at the end. Maybe this is all just a, a dance about the fee. We'll see. But I don't know if either of you guys saw any of yesterday's action, but he looks absolutely lethal yesterday. And it's the first chance. I mean, there was the, there was the game, obviously, against the Singapore eleven, and then there was uh, the game against, I can't remember who it was against. It was at the West Ham, wasn't there? West Ham. But you felt like Postacoglu had got a hold of them yesterday and got them sort of playing more like the way he wants to play. And in the second half, I thought Spurs looked really exciting and incredibly potent. I mean, Kane was a big part of that, but there were others who played a big role. Kulusevski looked good second half and uh, Madison looked really, really potent. Um, did you get a chance to see any of that, Terry? I've seen the goals. Um, yeah. So that's all I've seen, to be honest. And... Uh... And read the reports and obviously Madison saying about they, they got a bit of a rollicking at half time that they had to be relentless and keep attacking and, and that showed in, in the second half yeah. improved performance. But I'm interested from John, I, I yeah. like what I see from Postacoglu. I think personality-wise, he's just the right type of personality. We've had nothing but confrontational managers with everybody, whether it's the, the, when the managers have to manage, they have to manage upstairs. So 
managing with, with Daniel Levy and the people in the boardroom, managing the players, managing the supporters, managing the media. And the, the previous managers we've had have had confrontations with every part of that. And I think with Ange, yeah. we, we see a man that's got the authority, he's assertive, but uh, uh, try to phrase it right, uh, perhaps a warmer personality than what we've had in the past and more similar to Pochettino, yeah. where we had that relationship with the players, with Pochettino and the club above him, below him, with the media. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that that type of personality, I believe, suits Tottenham's football club more. And I think that the players, we, I've heard comparisons to maybe Martin Joel as well, yeah. in terms of his personality. That was another personality, a manager we had at Spurs that had that warm personality that got players on side. I love, love the saying that John came up with about volunteers and hostages. I think yeah. I was both in my career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never yeah. ever thought of it that way. I was held hostage. I was hostage. Yeah. I was a volunteer for most of the time, but it, it's. I think we, what we're seeing from the new manager so far is the players are volunteers at the moment, and, and I think that's a great way John put it. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because because it emerged, you know, pretty clearly that what happened was in the first half, Spurs were were, were okay. They took the lead, but then they conceded at the end after after Hoybier gave the ball away essentially, and. Um, Apparently, and did 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 give them a right rollicking at half time, because he felt like they had played the last five or ten minutes of the first half, looking like they just wanted to go in at one nil, which is not an unusual thing for any team to do. But not, but Ange doesn't want that. He wants them to always be on the front foot and always be playing the same way. Does that? And he he gave them a right rollicking. Of course, second half they were totally up for it all the way through and scored a hatful of goals and just looked great to watch. Does that tally with the way you perceive him, John? Absolutely. Like, this is a guy who it's all about attack, attack, attack. Um, he doesn't, he's not doing this for some on some whim. This isn't because he, he just thinks it looks good, right? For him, it's not a gamble. It's a sure thing. This is the way he believes you win games. And one of his uh, old players, uh, Thomas Broich, who's now like technical director in the Bundesliga, one of the clubs there, so he's an expert on tactics. And he said, you know, it's it's easy to set up to beat the better team, but he always wants to be the better team. And it doesn't matter if he's playing Real Madrid. It doesn't matter who he's playing. You know, he, he took South Melbourne to play Manchester United, Vasco da Gama. No, we're going to go out and play. We're going to go out and try and play and play our game and play the football. I keep, uh, I've got a lot of fans, uh, friends down south who are Spurs fans who've been on the phone saying, yeah, but surely he'll change in the Premier League. And I'm like, mate, forget it. He, he didn't change when he went to Yokohama, where his number one tool, which is words, right? That's his number one tool. He, he, he tells stories and he gets players involved. That was lost to him suddenly. He had three or four different translators because of the different languages in the dressing room. And he found a way to make it work. He didn't change there. He didn't change when he was at, under pressure in his very first managerial job at South Melbourne. Now that's his club. That's his dad's club. That's the Greek club in the area in Praran where he, you know, he grew up. That is pressure. And if it ends there, maybe his, he doesn't get a managerial career. Yeah. No, he didn't change then. So I just don't see him changing any of that. He loves the ball to go forward. He loves... Uh, uh, when you mentioned James Madison earlier, he is such an Ange Postacoglu player, man. Mm -hmm. he, when, when they signed him, I was like, oh. But Ange's eyes are rolling in his head at excitement at that one. Great. 
Well, that, that's great. I suppose hearing that, of course, is as Tottenham fans, we always think that that's what our club, you've just described what our club's about, that we what the most important thing is we play glorious football. We play football that is great to watch. We've had players down the years in the Madison mould, you know, really just the, some of the greatest players that have ever been in that role when you look at people like Hoddle and Gascoigne. Um, but, of course, there is a little voice in the back, probably of all Tottenham fans, delighted though we are to hear all of that it, which which is like yeah but aren't we aren't we aren't we possibly going to lose every game 6-5 or something like that because is he does he pay any attention <laughs> to the defense at all that's the oh. that's the concern I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Spurs show merchandise, including new designs with a kangaroo instead of a cockerel, Spurs, Peter Cook, Bob Marley, Bruce Forsyth, Emma Raducanu, Adele, Paul Whitehouse t-shirts and Hume Min Son designs too are available. Our monthly London live show returns next month. Sign up and join us at season.spursshow.net. The lineups will be announced shortly. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And do please leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to spread the word. Next week, our guests are Jeff Pope, Mark Trainis, and Mitch Lee with me in the chair. He's not happy when he loses goals. He knows that. He says that. You know, he. It, it, it hurts him when they lose goals because he still puts a, a premium on his defenders defending well. And when they have to, they will do it. But um, he you know, he's always going to go. I You looked at some of the performances at Celtic in Europe and you would look up, you know, you the ball's down that end and you would look up and you would go, hang on a minute, Callum McGregor is covering touchline to touchline and about 40 yards either way here. <laughs> if they break, and of course the opposition would break, so he does yeah. leave it. He had a, a guy who was at Spurs wasn't quite good enough, Cameron Carter-Bickers, so they made yeah. the grade there. But in Scottish terms, he's like a cheat code for the Scottish Premiership. So he had him, you know, anything over the top that came out, he just he just dealt with it. He just looked very, very comfortable. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it works in the Premier League. And that is the one, yeah, that's the one concern I think you would have. Oh, God. As, <laughs> Because it's like you know, like he's he's got a record as well of like he's he's had slow starts here, slow start yeah. at Celtic, slow yeah. start at Yokohama, slow start at Brisbane, where he went on to break records. Yeah, um, you know, and and you think yeah, that's fine, but slow start in the Premier League, and then your next two games can be Man City away, 
mm. you know, and you know, whoever man United at home, and there, yeah. there isn't an easy little breather for you there. Yeah, I mean, you get a breather in Scotland if you're the Celtic manager. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, that they, obviously the big question mark over him is he's always succeeded. He plays the good football. He seems to be an impressive person, character, personality, but he's never done it at this level, not even close to this level. But then you think, well, yeah, but he's going to come in and he's going to have, you know, he's in a club that's at this level, so he's going to have better players than he's ever had before. He's at a better level, but he's got better players than he's ever had before. But he's up against better managers and he's up against better players. So that defensive thing, you just think, I mean, for always, I, I mean, it could be, it really just could be a lot of high scoring games that some we win, some we lose. That's the way it feels like it it might be at the moment. But even going to Brentford on that first day, I mean, Brentford are an extremely well-coached, well-organised, efficient team that know how to win Premier League games, formidable at home. Uh, and yeah, the slow start thing. What was interesting about that halftime bollocking on Sunday was that um, they weren't quite doing what he said afterwards, which I thought was fascinating. Was I, he saw them doing things uh, that he told them to do, and he could tell they were doing it because he told them to do it. And what he needs them to do is have it ingrained so it becomes part of their instinct. It becomes automatic, and that's when it works. And I guess that accounts for the slow starts, because on the slow starts that he's had, it's where they're still learning it, whereas when you get to game whatever, five, say, they then it's ingrained, and then they're doing yeah. it. They become a well-oiled machine that is actually just doing what, what he requires, and then they start to win, right? Yeah, he also he says he loves that period when people on the outside are doubting it. He right. loves it because he can see the, the building blocks coming together and he knows what's around the corner. Mm. He's like when he was really under pressure at Brisbane and people were like, why the hell do we bring this guy back? You remember he'd been out of football really, he'd been working at a youth club and helping right. out pal and stuff and he, he got the Brisbane job and he was under pressure and everyone was like, oh, this has been a mistake and he could see it. He could see what was coming. He knew it and he loves that period and then it clicked yeah. of course. They, they set a record, still stands to this day for a winning streak in Australian professional sport. So he, he's, yeah, you're right though, but th there's been that slow start. There was the same at Celtic. He had a slow start for five games, maybe six games. They went up to Aberdeen and they get a late winner. It often happens with managers there, you know, under pressure, it goes one way or the other. You get a late winner. But he said it actually felt more important for the players than for him. He knew. He said he already believed. He just felt mm -hmm. that that made them believe. Mm -hmm. Not so much supporters or what the media were saying or anything. So he, you're right. He doesn't want them doing it because they've been told to do it. They need to be believers. They need to to understand it and buy into it. Yeah. He's had, listen, he's had a lot of doubters over the years. He's had internally in Japan. It was pretty close to a rebellion at one point, really early on. Yeah. And one of the translators over there, he said it was whoa, it was bad. And you could, he said, I could look around the dressing room and see, you know, they are not getting this. They are not buying this at all. Mm -hmm. By halfway through the season, it still wasn't everybody. But most were on board, and he did the same at Brisbane. He, he just shifted players out. You know, if, if it's, he doesn't do it in a nasty way, he doesn't he doesn't slaughter anyone. He just if if you're not on board, then look, we'll find something. You can go play somewhere else. Yeah, and play your way. But this is how we have to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pochettino was a bit like that. He 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 spent the first few weeks, few you know, two or three months actually just just w realizing which players are going to do it his way and which ones weren't, and then the ones that weren't were gone in the January window for the most part. 
I suppose uh, the concern is how if we do have a slow start because they're still learning his, uh, you know, his his ways uh, and we get to, you know, November and we're somewhere near the bottom of the table because it hasn't clicked yet. And whilst Ange is thinking, I love this because it's definitely going to click soon and I'm really enjoying this, the media and possibly the fans are going to be going, Christ, it's just this just isn't working. We've got to get him out and get someone, get Sam Allardyce in quick, otherwise we're going to go down. <laughs> I mean, that can happen in Carnetary in the Premier League. We've seen it many times. I mean, look at look at the poor old what's his name? I've even forgotten his name now, the Brighton manager who went to Chelsea last Potter. season. Yeah, yeah poor Graham old Potter. Potter. I mean, yeah. Potter turns up there. He's the great white hope. Everyone thinks he's going to be, you know, the next, you know, big thing, the, the great England manager. And and within, you know, before the end of the start, he comes in the autumn, he's gone by the spring. I mean, uh, this is what concerns me a bit. What do you, I mean, Cherry, do you think that's a, that's a potential worry? Of course it is. I mean, results are the be and end all for, for any manager. But I think it's what's on his side now is at Spurs is we need stability. We haven't got any whatsoever. Mm. We have, I'm looking at the squad coming on this podcast, looking at the squad. We've got far too many players. I think we've got 14 defenders with the new one coming in, Van der Ven as well, that's going to make mm. it 15. And I wrote down, we've got possibly one, two, three, four, five left backs. Mm. And what's happened there is over the last few years, different managers buy different players. Yeah. In the in the, in the the case of Jed Spence, nobody knows who bought him. And then he came in and... Conte didn't, yeah. clearly didn't want him and, and yeah. he's you know he's hanging around. We've bought all these players because one manager likes them, the next manager doesn't. We've lost directors of football. I have no idea who's running things in terms of the recruitment and scouting at the moment. So mm. we really do need someone to come in and lead, not just the starting team, the first team. We need someone to come in and lead the whole football club at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Spurs supporters in general, we're fed up with chopping and changing managers every five minutes. And I think if there, if we have to be patient, we have to. We have right. to make sure we support him and we make sure that, you know, the, the supporters are patient and in the belief that things will get better. And, you know, it's it's a bloated squad at the moment. I'm looking around, we've got five goalkeepers and, and loads of defenders. And mm. I'm not really sure how many of those defenders are nailed on to, you know, that he would want in his starting eleven, particularly in the centre of defence. So we need to give him time. And if that means suffering at first, then so be it. I don't, I don't think there'll be anything to gain from changing again no. next season. And Ryan Mason coming in as a caretaker, caretaker manager again and yeah. fumbling through. It has to be. We have to give the manager, we have to give Ange every possibilities to succeed and, and be patient. Yeah. Is that his style, John, that he will, he will look at the whole football club and try and impose these, his philosophy on all the, all the age levels and everything? Yeah, definitely. He's he's worked at youth level as well. You forget he did the young Socceroos, and um, he also, when he was out of football after that, there was a famous bust up. Um, with Peter Foster on on you can still watch it on YouTube. Yeah, I've watched it. His, I've, wa- I've watched. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Compelling. Which is the yeah. one, the one time in his is the one time his career he really regrets and looks back on. Even though they're pals again now, right? Looks back on that, but he was out of football and he, he went to Greece, which was hilarious. I mean, there are stories from his former assistant there of how the Greece adventure went just sounded like Greek football, right? Mm-hmm. Greek lower league football. <laughs> yeah. Just, there might have been the odd financial squabble involved in there. Just saying, you know, not everyone yeah. necessarily got paid on time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, so he's come back from that and, you know, and he, he worked with um, Nana Wadding FC, who are like 
this little community club. Um, I went when I went down to Melbourne. I went down for the book. I went down and spent some time living in the old neighbourhood in, in uh, Praran and just chatting to people and the clubs he worked at and friends from school days, primary school and everything. And I went out to Nanawari FC. And he was out there because it was a friend. He set up a whole youth system, uh, changed things completely. He was working with under-11s. Loved it. Loved working with the under-11s. He worked right through the age groups. So he will definitely want to take control or at least have a, a strong influence on these side of things. And he will understand when a youth coach speaks to him. He'll understand that it's not about this result or that result or that metric or this metric if he's trying to build something and develop players. In yeah. recruitment, he's yeah, he's very much involved in recruitment. He's uh, one of the guys I spoke to for the book was a, a very close friend of his, Nick Delajanis, who played Australian uh, league soccer back in the day. He was a, he was a you know, contemporary of him, then went into recruitment actually, and is now like chief executive of some global recruitment company. So recruiting high flyers for different positions. And he quotes Ange all the time. He literally, he you know, he'll quote him when he's at conferences and things like that. He right. speaks to him about it. He, he says he's just such an expert on knowing who's going to fit the culture. Right. It's ability and everything, you know, whatever athleticism you need to play that position. But he picks on culture. And this right. is, you know, is he going to fit into this culture? And it probably gives him a better strike rate in terms of signings than the average manager, you yeah. think, would hope. I mean, Ter- Terry mentions, uh, you know, rightly that, that there's been, it's, it's felt like chaos. It's felt like a, a runaway train with no one at the wheel for, for if trains have wheels. For, for a while, you know, one knows who's actually in charge of recruit. You know, Paratici's gone to jail or something like that. And um, Scott Munn is the guy who's supposed to be coming in, right? The Australian's kind of chief exec, managing director type, top management guy. He should have been in by now, but for some, again, this is in, this is another symptom of the chaos we're talking about. He doesn't seem to have arrived, and there might be there might have been some dispute over his gardening leave, which there might have been some breach of it. There might be a legal problem because he's actually was in the employ of the City Group, wasn't he? Manchester City's organisation before. Do, do you know anything about him, John? Oh, really? I just know, obviously, when I saw his name first mentioned and Andrew's mentioned, I thought, well, there's the tie-in because he works. Yeah. And I did know that that within, even when I was working on the book before Spurs came up, um, there was going to be a chapter about what what's next, you know. And I know from speaking to people in football that the City group thought really highly of Ange, that they were convinced he was the real deal. Okay. Even from, from his time at Yokohama, they were right. convinced. That is. Right. I know you say there's a bit of chaos and a bit of un- instability there, but you remember what he took over at Celtic as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Those mean, were the fans were were yes. completely all over, they were cr- and it didn't help. <laughs> That's why it's funny you mentioned about <clears> him <throat> having the slow start because they were already hopping mad, weren't they? About the recruitment, about Eddie Howe apparently coming to town and then going away again, and all of that. And then he has the slow start, and it was they were they were spitting feathers, and by the end of the season, they absolutely loved him. But oh, you're right. Yeah. It, it was chaos, and he and he managed to stabilize it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got a sort of calmness about him. He doesn't like the players really admire him and respect him, and they know that he's on their side. Right. But he he deliberately keeps a distance between himself, his players, even his fellow coaches. In a lot of cases, yeah, yeah, and and the people above him. So he, he's not. He said he was asked last year. You know. How do you keep players that aren't, you know, you've got a big squad and players that don't play all the time. How do you keep them happy? He said, it's not my job to keep them happy. What, should I be making them cups of tea? 
sending flowers to their wives. It's <laughs> like genuine quotes from them. It's like, right for Celtic, you know, yeah. come and earn your place in the team. So he, he has that kind of, he'll just, he'll just tell players things. Yeah. You know, like that, this is what's happening. But, but they know if they ever go to him with a personal issue or they need time to, to sort something out. Loads of players have said to me, yeah, yeah, he, he's on your side, but you just, you're not sitting having a chat with him. He's, he's not deliberately your mate. De- deliberately done that. And he, mm. he, he says himself, he, he probably would have had a richer life and a more rewarding experience if he'd have gotten to know more people better, coaches and, and yeah. players. But he just took the decision very early on. You know, he, he went from being a, a, a captain to an assistant to a manager at a club where he had his, his best man was in the dressing room. He had to find a way of kind of making that distinction early on and it's worked for him. So yeah. I don't think, I don't even Harry will be expecting, however big Harry is and however much he wants to keep him, I don't think he's giving him bear hugs in the morning saying, right, oh, right. come on, Harry. I mean, that, me. that, yeah, but that's, that's really fascinating, isn't it, Terry? Because in some ways we think of him, maybe he's the new Pochettino, plays good football, gets everyone on side, has a clear philosophy. But in that way, it's very different from Pochettino because Pochettino, a lot of those players considered him to be a personal friend. There was loads of hugging and all sorts going on and, that was Pochettino's style. Does that? Does he remind you of any manager? Because you played under a lot of managers, Terry. Does, uh, you know, of all uh, some, some you probably love, some not so much. Some of them extremely famous, obviously. Does he remind you that 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 style of keeping a distance is that something that that reminds you of anyone? Yeah, Sir Alex Ferguson. Right, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping yeah. you were going to yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. I think Keith Birkinshaw as well. As right, well. right. You know, Keith had that. At arm's reach, you you couldn't take liberties. You weren't slapping him on the back and having a joke and playing a prank on the manager. You knew, you know, where the the level was, and and mm. that's how the best managers are. It's just getting it right. It's it's such an important part. We see analysts now analysing what makes a good manager, the code jargon, all the, the stereotypes that come out, and it is the most important. Obviously, you have to know your football. You, you're not going to be, you know, approaching anywhere near it. A top job if you haven't got the, the ability but it's yeah. that man management and and every manager is different and you know it, it's the players are quick to suss out a manager as well it doesn't take them long mm-hmm. and they know you know where the, the borders are and the barriers are and not to overstep and in some cases it's it's a lot you know you can go a lot further with some than others others you just know that this, this guy's in charge and you know and and you can there's managers I liked and didn't like, but I, there was managers that the most important ones were the ones that you respected. At plus, if they picked you, that helped. But it's yeah. respect, the respect was the, the main one. You know what he's doing. He, he, you know, he, this guy knows what he's doing. He's mm. getting his point across. Yes, he may not fancy me. He, he, he might like me. But you, you, you got respect pretty quickly. You, yeah. you, you realised as a player, you know, this guy does deserve the respect as, as the manager. Mm-hmm. he's very atypical as a as a sort of character he's not like other you know the modern sort of premier league manager you know even everything about him the way he looks you know his sort of demeanor partly because he's australian of course which he's got got that very sort of blokey thing but i suppose you said it earlier terry if any if he reminds you of any sort of reasonably recent Tottenham managers, he reminds you a little bit of Martin Joel in that bl- that sort of blokey demeanour. Now, Martin Joel, quite quickly, 
Uh, well, not that quickly, but in the end, in the end, he was um, not supported and not liked by the hierarchy. And I wondered if that was partly, I mean, that the hierarchy, the Tottenham's an unusual club in that it's almost feudal. There's one guy at the top who all the decisions of any significance will be made by or rubber stamped by him. And then he has not many other, there's not much, you know, senior management around him. There's D- Donna Cullen, who is his sort of main lieutenant and fixer. And beyond that, you're going, you know, you get down through the ranks pretty quickly. So if you fall out with Daniel and or Donna and that relationship goes sour, it all unravels pretty quickly. I think that's what happened certainly with Conti. probably happened with Mourinho. It seemed to, in the end, it almost, it happened with Pochettino again was outstanding in that he maintained a great relationship for a very long time. But... Ange, I mean, how good a politician is is he with that sort of thing? Because it is a political place, John. Yeah, he's clearly good at it. And I think he's, just when you look at his track record, but I also try to remember who said it to me. He's one of his teammates um, way back at South Melbourne. talking about being uh, the captain. He said he was the captain. They had Ferenc Puskas as manager. Not bad. Said, right? Yeah. He said, no, he could speak to Ferenc Puskas in Greek because uh, Puskas had been at Panathinaikos or one of the Greek teams anyway so he spoke about a Greek the English wasn't great he says and he could, he could chat to Ferenc the galloping major this legend <laughs> like they were besties right he could be a yobble in the dressing room that was the exact words he says but he could also go and represent us when he went into the board of directors when he went to talk about bonuses or conditions or anything like that so he said that there's quite a few people said that he had this ability to go between worlds and adopt, adapt his language and adapt his demeanour and find different ways around it. I think I think that's part of his his immigrant background. You know, he, he went to Australia when he was, he was four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, life was not easy for the, the, the Greek settlement in there. They, they were even quite late arrivals in was it 69, 70, um, by that standard. So the, I think immigrant kids always find a way of kind of maybe speaking a different language at home, different language at school, kind of changing the way they go between the, their house and the outside world, mm-hmm. holding on to the best of both worlds. I think that's been a big factor in his, and his, his family background as well. I think he's just been, he just, he just seems to naturally have that ability to go in and talk to people to get the best out of them, to get his message across. Um, the, the guys that played with him said he was, you're very, very funny and very uh, biting. <clears throat> yeah, that he could uh, he could absolutely slaughter them with one one line mm-hmm. about you know but in a, in a funny way to kind of yeah. to rip them up uh, you know yeah uh, so yeah I think it's going to be in that but as you point out I don't think he's ever worked at a club quite like Spurs this is it, it's a different setup it's a different formation it's not a it's not a Yokohama where you have the City Group who run things from on high and then you have your your management underneath it it's it's not even Celtic which is uh, well, you know, th- there's a there's a, a place, there's a, a format in place there, there's a, a structure mm. in place there. I'm sure he'll find his way. He's, you know, he's always 57 years old now. Yeah. No, not a kid. Not a kid. Yeah. He's, he's been around. He's been in and out of football. He's in and out of it. He's dealt with some situations in Greece, which were interesting. I think him and his, uh, his assistant just were dashing to the airport with pockets full of euros. <laughs> to get out, you know, he's he's dealt with a lot of uh, mad owners, a lot of uh, interesting people. Yeah, yeah. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, well, let's look at, um, let's look at the actual team and how the team might looked at the start of this season the way I mean yesterday seemed to be a good indication he said that he'll probably play a completely different 11 in this game at Barcelona or at least start a different 11 at this game at Barcelona on Tuesday and yesterday's starting team which played right deep into the second half that seemed to me to suggest that was pretty much probably the first team that he you know, they had in mind. So we got Vicario, who looked good, the new goalkeeper. I like the look of him. He looks big and tall and uh, capable, good shot stopper and can play play a bit as well. And then you got, uh, you know, Emerson Royale, who's made an astonishing comeback uh, as right back because it wasn't, it, I think it was just shortly before Christmas, he was getting roundly booed by the home fans, which was, uh, always disgusts me and really upsets me when that happens. But for him to come back from that is a hell of an achievement. And now... He looks like the best right back in the club. And I think it looks like Ange thinks that. And he, I thought he played very well yesterday and played very well towards the end of last season. Uh, left back, the new fella, Destiny Udogi. What a great name. He looks great. He's only 20, but he looked an outstanding uh, left back in Syria. And he's looked like he's taken to it very well here. We haven't seen him tested much defensively. The question mark over him. I mean, with, with uh, Emerson Royale, the question mark is more about his ability going forward and, and putting a good cross in. But with... Udogi looks, he may be suspect uh, defensively, but it's very confident and quick and strong going forward. The, the the big problem area, we've known it as fans for some time, is the centre of defence, because really the, the the feeling, the general feeling, is that we've only really got one top centre-back, centre and that is uh, Romero, and even he's a loose cannon, as we know. He can, he, he can find himself picking up the odd red card here and there. And now we've got the new VDV, has arrived, but he's quite young. But he was outstanding in the uh, Bundesliga. Do you know much about him, Terry? The new I don't. I, no, I must admit, Theo, I, I don't. And because he hasn't played international football, so no, that that's that's one of the reasons. And yeah. I, it's, it's I've seen clips of him. He looks lightning quick. Yeah. So John John was mentioning earlier about the the importance of a quick defender. Yeah. Because at times you might be outnumbered. And and yeah. I saw a clip of him, and he he was really rapid. The one where he gets back and defends yeah. the goal line, and someone should have scored an open goal. Yeah, and he races back from the halfway, looked fantastically quick. So that's that's all I I've seen of him at the moment. But it's clearly been a, an area where no one's nailed down that position. Yeah, Three performances. As you say, Romero is the number one, but then everybody else has had a turn alongside him. Clement Longley has has gone, although there's talk of him maybe, maybe coming, coming back. back but yeah. but no one. No one has nailed down that other position at centre back. I think that's so so crucial to 
to some yeah, it, it seems so like he's... The, so I see with the fullbacks, are they are they still playing the way he has played them at his previous clubs, which is inverted and going into the centre of midfield? Yeah. Because that's the really important part. It didn't really click fully. Like season two Celtic under Ange were better when he got in the guys he wanted to play in those positions. Because right. they couldn't just be fullbacks that touched the ball in, went down the line. Right. You know, he he drives them into midfield to create overloads with other people, and you you'll see them popping up in the penalty spot. Yeah. His fullbacks, you know, so it's it's a different kind of way he wants to play them. That said, he may change it all for the Premier League. I don't I don't think he'll change too much. He's adapted his his styles, but if you've got fullbacks who are comfortable on the ball, who are good at receiving the ball, not just with the whole pitch in front of them, that's going to make a difference. Right. I mean, I haven't seen enough of Udogi to know whether he fits that bill. I think, as I say, Emerson Royale is certainly a strong character and an improving footballer, I would say. And as Terry said, he's got a lot of choices. He's got a lot of fullbacks he can audition. He can go through them. I mean, my God, I mean, all those left-backs, Regulon and Sessignon and Ben Davis. One of them must be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. Ben Davis, he's been playing in central defence. He's never really played in a back four before, but he's been playing him there because he's obviously very keen to have a left-footed player beside Romero. So that's that's how Ben Davis has played there. Longley would would have been another candidate. And as you say, Terry, he he may still come back to be a, a valuable member of the squad. I thought he was a good player who had, you know, lots of good credentials. But yeah, I mean... Fullback wise, then on the right, I don't know what's happened with Jed Spence. Again, you mentioned him earlier, Terry, but I mean, he came with such a fanfare. Conti didn't like him. Then they sent him out on loan. And now there's no sign of him. Perhaps he's got an injury, has he? I don't know, but he's not featured at all. These are the two he seems to settle on. Let's hope he can yeah, get that kind of tune out of them. It's quite because it's not just. yeah, it, it, it's quite a big ask, isn't it, of your average fullback who's played a certain way all their all their because this is a new thing, the inverted fullback. It's something that um Guardiola does, isn't it? He 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 turns them into sort of part-time midfielders. And it's uh but it takes not just um, you know, footballing ability, a considerable amount of footballing ability. Like you say, you've got to be able to receive the ball, be comfortable on it, whichever way you're facing, but also brains. Because you've got to know when to do it and when not to do it and when to be covering on the on the flank and when to be coming in. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that's one of the things that takes a while to get going. I mean, looking at the midfield, he tends to play, as I understand it, a 4-3-3. And the 4-3-3 enables us to have, because he's very attack-minded, you know, a kind of number 10 playmaker. Well, he's got that, obviously, in Madison. It's interesting that he seems to have rehabilitated Lo Celso because Madison's obviously the prime candidate for that number 10 role, but there isn't really another one. But Lo Celso, when he's fit, has played that very successfully for Argentina. Maybe that's why he's re- rehabilitated him. And just on the basic principle, you need more than one for each position. So maybe he's got that. And then behind those two, he likes... The look of Saar, so do I. He's 20. What do you make of him, Terry? Do you like the look of him? I do, yes, very much so. And I think we're, we're, we're not bad in, in central midfield. Now we've added medicine. Yeah. Los Celso's come back. The complaint yeah. last season was we had a lot of hard-working midfield players and yeah. we let that little bit spark to try and... Which we've always been used to, I suppose. Mm. You know, a creative, skillful playmaker in midfield. Yeah. they We didn't have that. We haven't had that for a while. So those two, with the... Except with the Supplemented by the other players, even Heuberg, who who's, yeah. looks like he possibly might leave. We've got that Basuma nucleus of yeah. the hard-working players that yeah. can get about the pitch, are athletic, will close down with enthusiasm, and then allow the you know likes of Madison, Lo Celso, and Kudasevsky and 
yeah. Son, Harry Kane, Richarlison to do their thing. I mean, I like I like the look of Bissouma and Saar because they look like they've got great engines. They're very, very industrious and they will win the ball, put a foot in. But they also look class to me. They look like yeah. classy players. Saar and Bissouma, they, they can see a pass. And that's obviously a big part of it as well. You can't just win it and give it to Madison. You've got to be able to do it yourselves. I, I mean, Postacoglu wants them all to, to pass forward, doesn't he? And if you're going to pass forward, you've got to be brave. But you've also got to have vision. You've got to see the pass and you've got to be able to execute it. I mean, as far as the front, players are concerned it looks looks pretty good i mean that that front three yesterday looks like he he likes that as the first choice it was very much the first choice last season son kane and kulishevsky i think son and kulishevsky suffered dips in form last season but i think that in retrospect that seemed to be a lot about what conti was getting them to do rather than um any deficiencies of their own because as soon as he went, they both started playing a lot better because they were able to express themselves. And then as backup, of course, he got Richarlison at centre forward, and then you've got the new guy Solomon, who looks good, and um, and then maybe Brian Hill, although he's injured, isn't he? Brian Hill's injured. I'm just trying to think who else there is on the flank. There's someone else I can't remember. It is off the top of my head, but I think we look pretty well stocked, apart from in the centre of defense. Perisic. 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 Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Perisic, obviously a very experienced practitioner. He's certainly played, he's played many positions, but he's 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 more he's played many more games as a winger oh, yeah. than a wing back, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. definitely. He, he's great with it's the he plays he plays a 4-3-3, as you say, and but he will always argue that you can play that 4-3-3 about 30 different ways depending on yeah. how he picks. Yeah. So he's not always played with like a, an out and out number 10. It's almost like a one holding it would be Cal McGregor is responsible for making everything work, dropping back to get the ball. Sometimes Cal McGregor is a really, really intelligent footballer. Okay. He's probably the only thing's probably kept. He's probably a little bit undersized for premier league. They've probably a lot of scouts looked at him over the years and went, yeah, he's only about five, nine or something, five, 10, maybe max. I, I'm, I, I want a little bit more muscle in my center midfielder. Very, very clever player. And then he would have a kind of an O'Reilly or a Hatate guys who can burst into the box either side of him. And where a lot of the joy came from, and even if you watch some of his older teams, was the wingers, because they don't play like wingers. They are all over the place. They're just attacking from every single angle. Mm. And you talked about the, the, the brains you need. You need bravery as well. Mm. Um, and everyone I spoke to said he will never, ever go after a player for trying to do the right thing and trying to do the brave thing. He just, you know, if you've, quite often, if a defender's given the ball away in a situation that's cost them a goal, he will turn around and target the centre forward and say, where the hell were you? Why were you not showing? Look, he didn't have this pass on, he didn't have that pass on. Your rotation needed to be much better in there so that he could hit you as an out ball. This is why we lost that goal. So he's, he's like, his players that he worked with and, and Played under him, said they weren't sure if that was psychology all the time or it was genuine, but it, it certainly made them feel good when yeah. they were getting because they were singled out in in video analysis and they'd be like, "Oh, this is going to be murder. This is I know this. I know I gave a goal away. I know I shipped one." And he would flip it around and he'd be like, "Yeah, look at that. That that's that's an issue." But why weren't you there for him? So it's it's going to be interesting to see. You've seen the game so far. If he's going to play Madison in the number ten role, he might shift Madison wide. He might do, so, you know, as the season goes on and things change and he gets to grips with what he's got there, um, because his most, kind of his most interesting player in the last two years was Jota, who's just gone to Saudi. But he right. was, you know, he just stuck on wide left and out. 
nobody would say he was a left winger who just stuck on the left. You know, he did everything. Right. He was about driving inside, eliminating players, playing the little one-twos and all that stuff. Um, I, I think Madison's great there. He can, Madison can play anywhere across that. Yeah. Kind of area, couldn't he? Yeah. And I think also Son and Kuliszewski are sufficiently sort of sophisticated to be able to be adaptable like that as well. I mean, Kuliszewski loves to come inside and, well, they both, they're both sort of inverted wingers, aren't they? They both come in and like to take a shot and everything. So I think all of that bodes well. Let's, um, before we go, let's, let's, Terry, I'd like to, I'm going to ask you both. I'm going to start with you, Terry. What do you expect to happen? And what do you think is the best we can hope for? If you see what I mean. I, I- Yep, no, I do. I think when I look at the, the deficit from us to the teams above us last year, mm. was was terrible. I mean, yeah. it's not just the fact that we finished, what was it, eighth in the end? It's we finished behind Villa, we finished behind Brighton, we finished 24 points behind Arsenal. So mm. the bar is set quite low for, for Ange to come mm. in. So mm. I think if we can get near to what I would expect is to be challenging for the top four again, mm-hmm. not necessarily believing we're going to be in it, but I still think we've got more about us than Newcastle, who've got in right. the top four this year. Now, yeah. Liverpool, I think, will have a better season. I don't know about Chelsea. So mm. I think it's going to be much different. We're not in European football, which is a blow, but it can be a blessing for a manager in his first season that doesn't have to rotate and play teams oh, on yeah. a Thursday night and yeah, change yeah. again for the weekend and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. that is, I think, challenging for a top four place and it's win a cup. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not predicting here we're going to win the league. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be City again. Mm-hmm. But I think, if you know, the League Cup, the FA Cup is, is something we really should be going for. It's been 15 years since we've won a trophy. We're all sick to death with people laughing and taking the mickey out of it. Um, that cup might lead to Harry Kane staying, believe there's better things ahead. Yeah. It might lead to the beginning for Ange Postacoglu to go on and become a real firm favourite at Spurs. So progress should be quite straightforward. Yeah. But it's because the bar was set so low from last season's performance. So, I think challenging for top four is, is what we should be doing. Okay. And John, knowing what you know about the man, what do you think the the what's the likely the likely scenario? But what but you know, if things went particularly well, what's what's the limit of his potential for this first season? I think I'd I'd like to go back to where I started this. We talk about how important English football is to him and his development. He grew up at a time in Australia when English football was everywhere. He went into the one a bookstore in Melbourne where you could get Shoot magazine and read it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. So he's he's waited a long time for this. This feels like a kind of homecoming for him in a way. So he will give you everything. You would probably be best to put seat belts on the seats at the new stadium. It's <laughs> going to be a little bit like that at times. <laughs> but I, I genuinely think he'll be good. Um, one of the guys who worked with him said to me, he said, honestly, he, says he genuinely believes he can be the be- best coach in the world. Ange feels that himself. And I met so many disciples and true believers of him, you know, in the in the year writing the book. It's hard not to get taken in by that. I think he'll be really good. I think it's a brutal league. We know that. It's so yeah. hard. Man City are just buying everyone because they can. Mm. And Chelsea going a whole different way about it, buying everyone and getting it wrong. Yeah, so that I might think we had a lot of players, but yeah. <laughs> they must get it right at some point. So it's going to be hard, but I would say I think you should be looking at top four. Why not? I think yeah. I think top four, without a doubt, that'll be what he wants. He, he feels he belongs in the Champions League. He'll feel Spurs, certainly, with a name and the tradition of having belong in the Champions League and the potential they've got. Right. Well, 
you know that's that's great to hear one thing's for sure it doesn't i don't think it's going to be boring i think it's going to be i mean i can't wait i'm so glad i renewed my season ticket I, I i can't wait to i can't wait to sit there and watch all of this and whatever happens I, as i say i think it'll be entertaining guys i really appreciate this i i i feel buoyed by it. it's been a good day for us hasn't it what with them turning down the harry kane offer uh, we've had some good transfer news over the last few days after a while where the, there was a bit of unrest where it didn't seem to be much happening. And um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. So, uh, so Terry, thank you ever so much for coming on again. Lovely to see you. Look forward and, to the next time. Thank you. And John, your book, Revolution, The Man, The Methods and The Mastery on Ange Postacoglu. When, when can we get hold of it? Yeah, you can pre-order it now if you want, but Great it's, idea. it's out, in, out in early October, just in time for that Christmas market. So I need right. him to make a decent start. Yes, I can't be having yes. him getting this sluggish out. I'll give him a little call, mate. None of this yeah, yeah. first six games. Yeah, that's not going to yeah. wash for <laughs> Well, I wish you luck with it. I can't wait to read it yeah. myself. Good luck, John. Yeah, cheers, Terry. Thanks, Dio. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you both ever so much. Cheers. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.